back, everybody, to Mile Higher Podcast, episode 49. Oh, yeah. Today yes. we are coming to you with a conspiracy and chill yes. session today. Mm-hmm. We are talking about the death of Marilyn Monroe. Or Monroe. Monroe. I was corrected Monroe. a lot in my video for that. Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Monroe. Um, super, super interesting case today. One that I talked about on my channel a while back, but you know, I wanted to do a more in-depth look because that was like maybe the second or third conspiracy video I ever did. Um, but it is something that's just always intrigued me. I'm, you know, really interested in the Kennedys and Marilyn Monroe's all intertangled in that situation. Oh, yeah. So uh it's really interesting. But before <laughs> get started i wanted to address why i'm wearing sunglasses today <laughs> it's really bright in here man uh, for those of you who are listening today. you don't know this but i am wearing some sunglasses today which is weird because i never do but the reason is because i have had this like as you guys know i've had tons of health issues this year it's just been like symptom after symptom it's like so fucking annoying and about three months ago i developed this like rash on my eyes and like all around my eyes above my eyes and it's kind of like come and gone since then like it'll come back strong a little bit and then it'll go back away a little bit um so anyway i've been dealing with this since like beginning of october so it's been a long time and I've tried eliminating like, okay, maybe it's my concealer. So I stopped using concealer and all I use is foundation that I've used for five years. So I know it's not that. Um, I got rid of eye creams, multiple eye creams that I thought I could be. None of that works. So it's, really it's clearly, weird. it's not an allergic reaction. Um, I feel like I've narrowed down, like there's nothing it could be that it's I haven't been using for so long. mystery. <laughs> Rash. It is. And I'm going to show it to you guys for a second. The reason oh. I'm wearing something, <laughs> I just, just didn't want you guys to have to look at it the whole time. And I tried to put makeup on before I started recording and it was just a disaster. And then I got really stressed out about how bad it looked and I started crying, which made the rash worse. So you can't, you know, get makeup to stick on. It's just like going to make it way worse trying to put makeup on. Well, so just I'm so like, you know, it doesn't look <laughs> as bad as it did like 15 minutes ago. It's okay. already calmed down. Okay. It was I really red and puffy. And like, it. Yeah, it's definitely already looking bad. better. We were thinking about so. not even recording. I was like, I can't do this. Like, I was so stressed out. Oh, no. But then no. I was like, I want to do it. Like, we worked hard on this. And so we can't I'm do that here in guys. sunglasses. And Josh was like, I'll wear sunglasses with you, babe. It'll be fine. You don't <laughs> even have to tell people why. But we could pretend I don't... to be Casey Neistat for an episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. He does wear them all the time. He'd probably wear them if he was here right now. Oh, yeah. I'm oh, just yeah. going to channel Casey vibes He today. does that all the time. So why why can't we do it? Why? <laughs> it's just like, you know, these health problems have held me back so many times. I just today I was like, no. And, you know, it sucks. I have no idea what's going on. Um, I think it could be something hormonal. Um, I've possibly even looked at the possibility of lupus. So I'm going to be exploring that well, with my doctor. I really hope not. That would um, be terrible. I don't I don't know if I have enough of the symptoms. I don't even know if this rash like mimics it enough, but it is very strange. I do think something's going on internally, like something's weird. Um, so hopefully this is the year of getting down to the bottom of it, and that is why I'm wearing sunglasses. So. Yeah, fuck illness. Fuck <sighs> disease. Dude, I'm, I'm sick of it. I was telling Josh today, like, it's tiring, and, and the stress of having to perform on top of it, like... A lot of people, you know, a lot of people struggle with health issues out there. I'm not the only one, clearly. But the difference is, like, you know, a lot of people work at, like, jobs where they can, like, work behind a desk or they, you know, just work with a small group of coworkers or, like, people that they see all the time that they were used to. It's different to be on camera three times a week for thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Like, I can't explain that pressure to anyone unless 
they know what it's like sitting down and recording knowing like two three four hundred thousand people are going to watch it is stressful especially when you feel really really shitty inside so anyway so thanks for bearing with us and uh yeah thank you for the support y'all we really appreciate it Mm -hmm. and uh if you can't tell kendall's wearing one of our (laughs) awesome merch sweatshirts for uh repping the podcast if you're interested in repping one of these sweet sweatshirts or getting one of our conspiracy and chill sweatshirts if you haven't checked those out they're they're a top seller for sure and they're really cool that's my favorite design too if you're interested in conspiracies like we are you know show it (laughs) <laughs> show it on Show your it. shirt. Show it on yourself. But yeah, you can get 10% off our store with the uh, code MileHire at MileHireMerch.com. Another thing I wanted to mention to you guys that's new is uh, Hemp Bombs, who we partner with for uh, all of our CBD products, uh, which is really good stuff. They came out with a nighttime CBD gummy formula um, with high potency. Oh my gosh, so there's well. almost 500 milligrams of CBD in this. and That worked well last night. Dude, this stuff is legit, man. And I'm not just saying that. Two gummies... And you're going to have probably the best sleep you've had in a while. Yeah, so, it works really well. No joke. Highly recommend checking I wasn't tired at all last night. And I was like, Josh, I'm yeah, not tired. Literally. I can't go to sleep. And he was like, pop one of these. And I did because I hadn't tried <laughs> these new ones yet. And I was out. I was yeah. out like a light. I literally rolled over. I was like, don't talk to me. Good night. Yeah, <laughs> literally. It, it's amazing what it, what it does. It's got melatonin, yeah. but it's got a bunch of cbd and some other uh good stuff in there so if you're interested in this like if you have pain and a lot of times if you have chronic pain or any type of pain issues like you notice it more in your bed like just laying there so it helps you know counteract some of that pain as well which helps you know you're more comfortable and able to go to sleep yeah it's literally cbd pure cbd and melatonin and then a little l uh thionine theonine thionine l I think it's theanine or I don't know. My mom takes that stuff like religiously. I've taken it too. Yeah. Highly recommend uh, trying these guys out for sure. And you can get 20% off your order with the code mile higher. So take advantage of that. I'll put that right there for you. So you guys can look at it the whole time or think about the dreams you might have with the CBD gummies. So (laughs) anyways, let's get into this week's patron question coming from our girl Bellamy. She asked us, do you think, we have ever met someone that is a murderer. <laughs> well, kind of a. There's actually a statistic. Um, God, I wish I had it actually I in front of me. Actually. But, oh, do you? Yeah. Yeah, that everyone has. Everyone. Well, has there's a there's a lot of yeah. <laughs> cross so the statistic that I found was that so if you live in a city of an on average of about two hundred sixty thousand people and say somebody actually like crunched all the statistics out yeah. to to like actually get a, a number of how many times your past might cross with or meet somebody that is a killer in your lifetime. And based upon a city of 260,000 people and living to an average age of 70 years old, you will cross paths with at least 16 killers throughout your whole lifetime. Yeah. So everyone, I guess the statistic I was going to say was just that everyone has at least crossed path with one killer yeah. in their life. So yeah. it's very oh, interesting. Yeah. Statistically, yes. Yeah. Well, there... I mean, but that's also including like people who have killed people in the military. So the statistic does oh, include yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, That would make sense. Anyone who's killed anyone. So it could be a police officer. It's not all necessarily like... Like murders or serial killers yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. As far as... Yeah. From what I read. Is there anybody yeah. in your life that you have ever crossed paths with that you're maybe even thought like hmm i wonder if they are a serial killer or you i know we have come across some people just being out in our travels and things like that where we're just like Wait, that person could totally <laughs> well i don't know there's just is some... there someone you can think of 
I'm curious now. Out in our travels, <laughs> who did we think was a serial killer? I well, we were remember. running from that one guy in Australia. Wait, we were running. Remember, oh, yeah. we were escaping oh, yeah. from that guy. That guy oh, was kind of yeah. that guy was. That's a us different a story bit. for a different day. But yeah, we fucking ran from his ass. Literally got off the ferry in Sydney and like ran. <laughs> that's embarrassing. Ten blocks to our hotel. Don't even talk about that. Story. Because we thought this guy was following us. <laughs> oh my god, and yeah. he was really old. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he was literally he was literally probably sixty five. I don't know. We man. probably looked insane. And we were literally kind of running, guys. We were like, No, oh, we oh, were oh, running. Oh. I was fucking running. And then I we'd like scared. stop and like peek around the corner. Is he still there? Is he coming? Yeah. Do you see him? We thought someone was like stalking us. Yeah. <laughs> Long exactly. story. But anyway, um, moving on. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think I've ever I, I don't think I've for sure ran into somebody that I was like definitely a killer. I feel like I've run into people that I'm like, you look like you might kill somebody. Like, you're (laughs) fucking weird. But it's always... Or that you could kill somebody. But that's the thing is, like, it could be the most unsuspecting person, right? Oh, yeah. Because that's what is often the case is that these individuals... Chances are if you've met a killer, you didn't know it. You never know. (laughs) You wouldn't even be able to, like, Could be the the guy at Einstein's. But, you know, I have had some people that, like, wouldn't, that we would not necessarily think would be a killer that I actually think might be. Like, people that just seem so fake to me. I don't want to say their names right now, but <laughs> I could tell you when we're off camera of people that we've not, not anyone we're like close with, but just like people we've worked with and like people we've yeah done business with and stuff. I feel True like that. there's been some creeps along the way, you know? True that. Teachers even. I've had teachers that give me like, ooh, something's weird or, about this Or person. like even think about this person could be capable of Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying they're all actually killers, yeah. but like I look at some people, I'm just like, you're just like... Like, I guess it's it's more of like I get sociopath vibes like they could do it that they wouldn't feel they'd like feel remorseless if yeah, they did it. Right. Right. It you wouldn't know? be a big deal if they yeah. cross that yeah. line. And... Some people just come across so fake to me that I don't think they have that natural emotion. Well, we've hmm. seen it. I mean, we've seen people that have, yeah. you know, either accidentally yeah. or. Purposely... And when you like start learning about all this shit that I do, you start thinking everyone around you is a fucking possible killer. Dude, seriously, I have nightmares like, where like our sweet ass neighbor that I love, he's so nice. Sometimes I think even he. Oh no, not Frank. No, don't say his name. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like scared because then I think remember Teddy. Disturbia. I'm like, hmm. Do you ever think like that? It scares me. I'm like, what has he got in his basement though? Oh yeah. Well, one time he took Sadie into his house. He was like, can I take Sadie inside? And he's so nice. He was like, my wife wants to see her. And I was like, sure. And then he took her inside. And I was just waiting outside alone. And then I got really scared. I was like. Oh my god, he just took my dog. Like, what if what if, what if he like is a dog serial killer and I just let her go in there? And then of course, like five minutes later he came out and she's like wagging her tail and had a treat and everything. But yeah. I don't know. I definitely get paranoid about that kind of stuff. Because this is the world that we live in. There are Well, especially like, what especially is this once you're 17, you 16 in your 16? lifetime. Oh my gosh. You gotta be vigilant, people. Which you also gotta means be that your toes. your life could potentially be in danger at any of those points in time. If you think about oh, yeah. it because a lot of killers you know they pick targets at random so you never know yeah but i mean <laughs> yeah it's hard not to go down that road though when you <laughs> when you're like into true crime as much yeah. as we are and stuff is like you, you start looking much. at all the different cases and all the different ways that people go missing and you know get mm-hmm. murdered and everything like just the other night i was thinking about like what 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 did we oh the, a case that you're doing i just had like finished editing and i was like i came to you i was oh, like yeah it's coming out can you imagine like in place of talk tuesday people actually. breaking in to our house yeah. in the middle of the night and like killing yeah. us like so the case is actually i'll just talk about it for a second because it is a really 
uh, popular one right now in the news, Jamie Kloss. I'm covering it tomorrow night, so it will be up for Talk Tuesday, which I wasn't planning. It got all messed up because I'm working with a family member on an upcoming video, and she needed extra time, so I moved everything around. But basically, this will be going up. But it's about this girl. Someone just came to their house, shot her dad down in the doorway, shot her mom, and took her. And they have no idea who did it. Yeah. And yeah, when you're editing this kind really of stuff, weird. you think like, what could this kind of thing like happen to me? That's so bizarre. Like you never think that that would happen to you. Like I'm sure the Kloss family never thought that would happen to them. But the fact that it does happen. Yeah, it's crazy. And the amount of things like that that happen that people actually get away with. Oh, and I are on the run from. Yeah, and, they have no idea. And who, they have zero happened. clue of who it could yeah, be. Yeah, there's like, really like no solid leads. That blows my mind. There's no not even like a direction. No real suspects really or anything. I mean, it's like that's yeah, fucking weird. Poof, they're gone. You mm -hmm. know. So I don't know. It's really, really crazy. But let's get into this week's stories. There's some good ones here. And now it's time for woke news this week. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. So obviously this week. One of the big stories was that China landed on the dark side of the moon, which is actually a very big deal. Now, first of all, let's just clear this up. There is no dark side of the moon. It's the far side of the moon because both sides do get eliminated. But we sometimes refer to it as the dark side. Because the dark side yeah. of the moon. Who doesn't yeah. like to call it that? It sounds so cool. It's better than the far side. But it's only because we can't see that side. Yeah. Right? Well, whatever. Don't ruin our illusion. It's fun to pretend it's the dark side. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I, I do like that much better. <laughs> but the reason we can't, the reason why we, um, we don't see the other side is because of a phenomenon called tidal locking, which this is because the moon takes just as long to rotate on its own axis as it takes to complete one orbit of the earth. Isn't that interesting how that works? And I'm almost like, it, you know, there's this whole idea of like the moon being artificial and sometimes I'm like, God, how are these things just like so perfect in that they line up and that we can't ever see like the other side. And I don't know, it just makes you, makes your little conspiracy mind go crazy. Cause you're like, you know, how really the moon just like happened to get itself in this tidal lock and we can't ever see the other side of it. Like, is yeah. that on purpose? Maybe. I don't know. Ooh. I don't know. I just think it's, it's interesting, but. Um, basically China landed a rover called the Chang'e 4, which is now exploring the moon on the far side. It touched down on the far side of the moon, uh, this past Thursday. And this was actually a huge deal for China. China's actually kind of like taking the lead in sort of the space exploration these days. They're putting a ton and seriously loads of money. Like China is going to be such a huge superpower. I mean, they already are, but they're going to be you know miles ahead of us if we don't get our act together and start taking space exploration more seriously as a yeah, nation you know seriously i just like, don't understand why i mean some people like seriously don't think it matters at all some people get angry and they're like we need to focus more on like the ocean than space which i agree we should explore the ocean more too but like space space exploration is so important it's all there is yeah, outside I mean, we of... should know what's outside of our yeah. planet. I mean, we should know because I mean, right here's the here's the thing is like we could be wiped out by an asteroid or a meteorite at any point in time. And that's the yeah, boom, that's the end of civilization. Yeah. We're all gone. True so that. it's kind of important, don't you think, that we know Just what's kinda. going on out there? Just a little bit important. Because it, I mean, what what the official thing that they want to do is they want to eventually set up 
um, telescopes and things, they want to build on that side of the moon so that they can look further into space from from that side. Um, but there's been a big issue because in the you know in the past without satellites and such that the way they exist today there's no way to communicate on the far side because all radio traffic just shuts off because the moon's in the way. So what China had to do in oh, order for this whole operation to work is they had to put a satellite up nearby to relay back to Earth wow. the images. So like the images that you actually see of the dark side of the moon are being relayed through a satellite back to Earth, but it is the other side. But what's the most interesting thing about this is that they're actually... Um, they're obviously there to, you know, look at it and study it and get samples and things like that. But they're trying to find this huge uh, crater. And it's 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 fifteen hundred miles or so in diameter, 13 kilometers deep. It's one of the largest impact craters in the solar system and wow. the largest, deepest and oldest basin on the moon. So this is like the mega crater. And to me, I'm like, that's interesting. I wonder if there could be anything in there. Because I'm like, it's hard for me to believe that we've been to the moon as uh, several times, yet we never thought it'd be a good idea to start building things on the moon. Like, yeah, you'd think we would. Yeah, that's so odd. I mean, if you're not going to send humans back up there, why wouldn't they send? Why, you know, for the past? Why why have they in the past, like, you know, sent other robots or other rovers and, and things like that? And created, you know, at least artificial structures on the moon. Obviously, there's a whole conspiracy about the moon, which will be another episode. But it is very interesting that China's very interested in this deep crater because who knows what they'll stumble yeah. upon. You know, what could be in that crater? For all we know, there could be. I'm so glad they're exploring it. Could be something there. So it's really interesting. It's really a big uh, giant leap for uh, space exploration. And uh, China's leading the way. So I thought that was very interesting um oh yeah i was going to also mention that um there's several accounts from former military intelligence officials who have claimed that there's more on the far side of the moon than nasa is letting on obviously probably true carl wolf a technician at the air force tactical air command headquarters in langley virginia analyzed data from the lunar reconnaissance orbiter claiming he and his colleagues viewed artificial structures on the dark side of the moon including Radar antennas and structures made by intelligent beings. Wow. Interesting. So this is coming from former intelligence officials who claim that this is what they collected from data that we have on the far side of the moon. Others have also claimed uh, that there's underground tunnels that were captured in images by India's uh, Chandran lunar orbiter. And these tunnels on the dark side were likely the product of tubes of lava flow that created a massive system of caves potentially inhabited by living beings. Oh, juicy. So I think there's a lot of interesting God. things that we can find. Mar- or cave, m- moon, sorry. <laughs> moon cave creatures. <laughs> I was going to say Mars at first. Moon cave Oh, if creatures. there's like some natural life there? Yeah. Maybe. Oh, yeah, I guess. Well, a lot of people think there's like... Yeah. A, it's literally a base for extraterrestrials yeah, and humans alike. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Alike. Well, yeah, not just humans, but like just beings of any type. It could, there could be like an international spaceport on the moon. Wow. That people so come crazy. in and travel out of and fly by to visit the earth. Yeah, who knows? Or that could be just a giant rock. That's the alternative. It, it could just be a giant piece of rock <laughs> that just happened to fall into orbit and happened to be tidal locked and happened to have all these caves and everything. Okay. okay. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. All right. 
more on that later. <laughs> more on that. It'll be interesting to see what comes out of that though this year. It will. There's yeah, interesting things coming. Mm-hmm. Now this story, one of you guys tweeted. I'm sorry, I forgot who it was, but oh god, dude, I'm seeing the title yeah. of this and I don't even want to know. How did I not hear about this, dude? An Idaho science teacher earlier this year made national headlines after feeding a sick puppy to a snapping turtle in front of students. And the reason why this was in the news is because he was found not guilty of animal cruelty on what Friday. What the fuck? Oh, I do think I remember this now that I'm thinking about it. I think it was it. like March or so. What the maybe March, hell? Yeah. Who March would May. do that? So, yeah. So, <laughs> so basically, this sick puppy um, was a puppy that he had gotten from a local farmer whose dog had given birth and believed the puppies were taxing the mother's health. Now, the farmer testified that the puppy was very sick and refused to eat, and he believed the dog's death was imminent. But that's when Mr. Crossland decided he would feed the puppy to one of his classroom animals. Why? Why? Just let that me... That seems like such a bad decision, dude. <laughs> like, who the fuck would do that in front of kids? Well, the feeding happened after the school day was over, and it was only in the presence of three students who were in the classroom. And the but mother still... of the two boys defended the teacher's actions earlier this year. And the students testified during the trial that they had no issue with what happened. I think that's like, obviously at first mm. glance, you're like in front of a whole class. Yeah. But it was after school and it was three kids that were like, yeah, I will. I'll stay and stick around to see. But isn't that strange? Feeding. Like to feed a puppy to a turtle? Well, first he tried to feed it to his python, <gasps> but the python didn't eat the puppy. So the teacher then placed the puppy in the snapping turtles tank. Does this guy have no soul? Where the canine briefly swam before the turtle dragged it to the bottom of the tank, drowned it, and ate it. And the students were present. All testified that they did not have an issue. So obviously this blew Ugh, up online. I have an issue. PETA f- flipped the fuck out. Tons of people are really pissed about this. That's just, I mean, I get it. It's like the circle of life, but like... They don't think it's I have to put a, appropriate. It's a puppy, though. Like It was about to die, though, like... Well, why can't you just wait till it's dead then? I don't think it's very kind to feed a living animal to a Well, these turtle. these types of animals need live they need live uh prey. But is it common for them to eat puppies? Like is that part of their diet? I, this is strange <laughs> to me. Probably not, honestly, but yeah, it it is a bit strange, I would say. It's very strange. It's just odd. Like who would do that? I just ew. Maybe slightly traumatic to watch this? Yeah. To watch a little cute puppy get dragged uh, to the stop. bottom. Of I don't the even tank. want to like know what kind of puppy. I don't even. Want to. Sorry this for all those so who disturbing. sit there with your dogs and you're just looking. I'm like, oh, oh god, gosh. I can never imagine. No one is no snapping turtles. Are this snapping eat my turtle's puppy. a savage dude. He's a beast. Really? And, and the state department of Idaho actually seized it and killed the turtle. <gasps> stop. Yeah, the turtle died because of Why? this too. He went, well, he wasn't supposed to have it. He didn't have a right permit for it. Some type of like exotic snapping turtle. Oh no. And because well, then of this all teacher's this, a fucking idiot. I'm sorry. You should not have. So he got the puppy yeah. killed and he got the tortoise killed. Dude, you know what? That's just irresponsible. You should not have a pet illegally. That is so bad. There's a reason that you're not supposed to have that animal. Oh, my gosh. That just makes me so pissed. This guy got nothing. No, it's Scott nothing. Freeze. He's oh still a teacher. God. His, the community supported him about it. Ugh, they should take his python. Because, I mean, least. at the end, at the like, yes, if you look at Give it from it an emotional home. point of view, it is very disturbing. And emotionally, 
it does yeah. make you very sad because yeah, nobody wants legally, to see it. Yeah, I, I but see, legally, I see. from a scientific mm-hmm. perspective, if you think about the zoo, they feed live yeah. shit to all their animals. If it was all the a time. rat, no one would have blinked an right, eye. Right, exactly. I get it. But I because get it. it's a puppy, and and it wasn't like the puppy was going to live anyway; it was going to die. So, mm. you know, circle life, baby. You know, feed well, the. Well, it's very irresponsible to ha- just to be a teacher that is having an illegal pet in your classroom. That is what I will say. So, if I were a teacher, I'd at least get parental permission. I'd be like, go home, get your like, cover my ass, and be like. Doesn't matter if you have parental per- permission. You need legal permission to own the turtle. Well, it was just that species. You can have a like turtle. Yeah, but, but you can't have that turtle. There's a reason there's not <laughs> snapping turtles. That's the first thing I thought when I read the stories. Why the fuck is there like a giant snapping tur- turtle in a classroom? Yeah, what if of a kid? kid's stuck his hand in there yeah and, like, dude. got his hand snapped. they didn't even allow fish at the school i was working at in high school and a python too that's kind of there's know. a python in the classroom yeah oh i thought that was at home or something no this is in a, it's a classroom pet he has a okay python. this guy needs to like apparently in show. idaho you can like have a zoo in your classroom and this is like a public school yeah well it's so. really dangerous and irresponsible to be having an exotic pet and a pet that's considered exotic in your classroom i think yeah I mean, it's good for education, but like take them to the zoo or something. I just don't understand why you would keep an illegal pet. I think having a pet in a classroom is good, but why do you have to have one that's illegal? I don't understand that. Like, how did the school even well, let it's that not, slip by? It's not that it's like, a, it's not like it's illegal. It's just he didn't have the proper permit from the state oh. in order to have. It's not like a oh, totally right. yeah, banned species. That. It, you have to apply okay. to get a permit. You can but get still, permits for like crazy how, animals, but how could they allow the school allowed him to have that? I think the school might have allowed him to have it because they just assumed he probably had a permit and they probably didn't look into it too much. But it's I think hard. at the end of the day, it's like, you know, it's a tough it's a tough call. Yeah. I, I don't know. What what do you guys think about this one? I mean, it can go either way. Is animal lovers going to be like, fuck that dude. But on yeah, the I other mean, hand, still from a scientific dude, perspective, like, yeah, it's like, I don't know if there's legal. I guess it's. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it's interesting to see a snapping turtle eat a animal, uh, a dog. Fuck? Like, if I was a kid in that classroom, I would have definitely had a problem, and I would have testified. I would have been so pissed. I would have like called my parents and been crying. I can't even imagine if I saw that. Yeah, I can't imagine. <laughs> I, I can't imagine just seeing like a poor puppy get shredded and uh, be okay, okay with. And we're done. Everything. And That's just done. me, but I don't know. Perfect transition, Josh, <laughs> into our sponsor for today. Yes. All right. All right, y'all. Let's get into this. Ah, she's so It's so honestly hot. such a great episode for Tori to be sponsoring. Yeah, really. Ma- Marilyn it's Monroe. It's perfect, actually. Yeah. I did not even think, I didn't connect those two. So this is just yeah. by chance. That Most we people don't really think of Marilyn Monroe as like a plus size woman, but she was a size 10, I believe. Um, or maybe she was a size 8. I can't remember. But she was. she was not the standards for Hollywood now. You know, like just the... The, you know, society standard for beauty is so much different than it was back then. Marilyn Monroe was like the hottest girl on the market. Like she was every guy was into her. Yeah. And she was more relatable. She would sit like she would do photo shoots and swimsuits and sit with like roll belly rolls. Show like like, natural roles that everybody fucking has. She was natural and relatable and different. And that was so cool. And she was still sexy as hell. Like. Oh yeah, she was all the guys wanted Marilyn total Monroe. Total sex symbol, you Monroe, know. Man. Yeah, so I love Marilyn Monroe. I'm so excited to talk about her because she is definitely someone who embodies this uh, body positive uh, lifestyle. I think for the most part, right? Yes, yes. I think that she is was what, very not body what I was positive. Say, but yes, <laughs> she, <laughs> that too. you know, 
<laughs> oh, totally. She was. She had that attitude of like, I don't give a fuck. Like, yeah. I just love that about her. So she's got that confidence, mm-hmm. that swag. That she is gave a lot of women hot. confidence at the time too. Like, just kind of inspired. And it just kind of be like, you know, I can use my beauty to my advantage and be like, you know, I've got some power over these men. Like these yeah. stupid men out here that are. But what she learned quick is like that's never, <laughs> never enough power. Right. You know. Very true. It's never always the best way to go. Um, it's never always that made a lot of sense. Um, but yes, her real name was actually Norma Jean. Which too. I, I don't know how I never knew this, but I literally had like an aha moment the other yeah, night know. reading about her. And I was like, Josh was like, did you know her name's Norma? I was like, wait a minute. So her name is yeah. really not Marilyn Monroe. It's no, that is such a stage. Norma name. Jean Mortensen, yeah. but Norma mm-hmm. Jean. I just thought it was so cool that her name was Norma Jean. This is, this is just a side fact, but. I used yeah. to listen to a band when I was younger called Norma Jean, and I never really understood where that name come from or what the significance yeah. of that name was or who, where, who I've never even heard of anybody with that name. I just thought it was made up. But to hear that Marilyn Monroe's name Norma Jean, I was like, hell yeah, that is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I just thought that's awesome. I think Norma Jean yeah. is such a badass. It is name. a cool name. Um, but What's I mean, I think it was a pretty Norm- like Norma normal Jean. name. Like it was like Norma Jean. And she was pretty like average before she kind of got like taken into Hollywood um, and made into this glamorous Marilyn Monroe. So her story is very interesting. Her life's very interesting. And what I was going to say is it's important because I think she really is someone that could have been a very good uh, role model and voice for women in the future. And we've kind of missed out on her. Uh, so that's why I think it's important to talk about. Her. And, the whole, and there's some conspiracy right. tea here. Today, well, that's the people. whole whole thing. The reason that we're really talking about this is because yeah. the conspiracy about whether or not she died of of, you know, overdose or suicide or was she murdered? And when you start digging into this deeper, as we are going to do today, you start realizing like, holy shit, why? It, why is this just sitting closed like? you know, in history, in the history books. Yeah. And we're all satisfied with the official story. And yeah. it's just crazy to me. It's absolutely mm-hmm. crazy to me. So let's let's get into it. So first, let's talk just a little bit about her background and upbringing, because I think it's important to always understand where these people come from and, you know, see, you know, just understanding what understand that, that point in their life. Yeah. They she wasn't born like into a royalty no. or this like famous life or anything no, like no, that. No, 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 no. She had a very, very troubled life. Actually. Yes, she went was. through a lot of shit as a kid. She didn't even know who her father was. He was Mm-mm. unknown. And her mother had uh, major mental problems and just struggled to cope with bringing up uh, her children. Her mother was, mm-hmm. you know, not exactly there for for her kids the way that Mm-mm. she should have been. Mm-mm. So for the first six years, Marilyn was brought up by her foster parents, Albert and Ida Bullender in the town of Hawthorne, California. Later on, her mother tried to take back Marilyn, but she suffered a mental breakdown and Marilyn was moved between different orphan, orphan orphanages <laughs> and foster homes. So this led to, you know, her, her childhood being somewhat traumatic and, yeah kind of made her this shy and reserved person as it would make anybody that has to go through this. I mean, it's very difficult to bounce around between homes. And I, I I have a huge place in my heart for foster children out there and people that grow up in foster homes because it is very, very tough. And and none of us can even imagine what it'd be like to have major issues with your, your real parents where you don't even know them and you're forced to sort of, you know, bounce around between just random people's homes and try to like 
find a fa- a new family. You and know? you really never have anyone, you know, right. like it's, it's very traumatic as a human on this planet to feel like no one's really there for you, yeah, you know, like, absolutely. and I'm sure some of you out there may have even gone through that. Like a lot of people do. And I think going from different foster homes and orphanages shows it just made her feel like no one really cared that much about her, but it made her develop a really strong, tough, independent. Right. That that's the that's the payoff of of growing up like this is that it does force you to grow up a lot quicker and it forces you to, you know, kind of walk with some authority and really. Yeah, exactly. Take matters in your own hands and, you know, hopefully lead the life that you want to live regardless of your upbringing. So. But what's what was crazy to me is that in 1942, uh, she had just turned 16 years old and then she got married mm-hmm. to her next door neighbor, Jimmy Doherty, at uh, who was 21 years old. She was so That's young. so young. Nobody should be, <laughs> take it from nobody. She should was be fucking taken, psyched. She was like, someone cares about me. It's right. a, it's a family like and she really took on her duty of like being a wife. She was really into being a housewife. And remember, he was saying that yeah, she was, that was a her great memory cook. of her. <laughs> yeah. She was a great cook. We're, and a, Clean the house, basically. <laughs> we were watching a documentary about her, and they were interviewing. They interviewed Jimmy, Jimmy, and he was like, "Yeah, she was. Yeah, she was good. She was. She was an excellent, immaculate house cleaner. First two and things he says. Cook. Not she was gorgeous. I loved her. She's or not beautiful. like she loved me. <laughs> yeah. Or she was so kind and caring. Food was good. House was clean. Yeah. So she gets a decent. She was like B plus. She was a great wife. Yeah, <laughs> man. The, the food was hot. The but as you can probably guess, this did not last very long, this right. relationship. Because actually a year later, Jimmy left to join the Merchant Marines in order to participate in America's war effort. Because it was 1943, World War II is going on. Yeah. Major things are happening. So, And she's like, I'm only 16. I'm alone. She didn't have kids. And remember, she was even asking him to have kids. She started to think like, I'm going to be fucking bored when you're gone. Yeah. And she wanted to have a piece of him. So she asked him if they could try for a baby before he left so that she could have you know, something, have something of and, him. Yeah. yeah, and have something to do, right. I'm pretty sure. So when she was just alone, she was like, well... Well, as soon as he left, she was like, the fuck yeah. am I supposed to do? Yeah. So um, they kind of she did start working point. as so many women did. This is like the Rosie the Riveter stage. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is what women did in 1940s. They were, yeah. you know, you had to go work in the factories because literally because yep. of the draft and everything in World War II, all the men, all yeah, the young all men were, were off they doing various things for the supplies. war, fighting, mm-hmm. all that. So no one was, there was a limited number of men in the factory. So, you know, the women really stepped it up and helped make ammunition actually because that's where yeah. Um, she got her job and An started ammunition factory started working right in Burbank, California. And it was here that Marilyn got her first big break. Uh, the photographer. That's so interesting. Yeah, isn't it? It's yeah. so random, right? Yep. It's just so random. But this photographer, David uh, Conover, was covering the munitions factory to show women at work for the war effort when he was struck by the beauty and photogenic nature of Norma or Marilyn. And he used her in many of his photographs. Which this enabled her to start a career as a model, and she was soon featured on the front of many magazine covers. Yep. So if you're watching this, here's a picture of her appearing in the Yank Army Weekly. And this was like one of the first modeling pictures we have of her, I believe. Yeah. And yeah, look how young she looks there. Yep. She looks like a kid still. Yep. She was, she was the probably poster like, girl for yeah, like the good American girl working hard. Literally like factories. 17 years old. Not even yeah. 18 there probably. Yep. Wow. Super, super young. She's so pretty. 
But then in 1946, uh, she actually got divorced from Jimmy. And that is that uh, that was the point that she changed her name from, in her opinion, the, the boring Norman Baker to the more glamorous Marilyn Monroe, which is interesting because I think one of her grandmas had Marilyn was named Marilyn. And then the other one had maybe it's the other way around Monroe. But anyway, she got the names from. Somewhere in her family, yeah. Somewhere in she, the family, and she yeah. came up with it herself. Because a lot of times they'll just give you a name, like, "Hey, your name is this now." But they probably started telling her, like, people she was working with industry, industry, like, get something better than Norma Baker, Norma Jean, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it's boring. Yeah, uh, Marilyn Monroe sounds so. It does. Like, it just flows. Hollywood. It sounds like a yeah. It sounds like a movie star name. Yeah. So after she changed her name, she then started to take some drama lessons and got her first movie contract with 20th Century Fox. Her first few films were very low key, but um, from these beginnings, it gained more prominent roles in films such as All About Eve, Niagara, and later Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. That's such a funny title to me. But anyway, and How to Marry a Millionaire. And these successful film roles thrust her into the global spotlight, and she became an iconic figure of Hollywood glamour and fashion. So that's really how she started you know, getting uh, more jobs and more gigs with some of those first movies. But then she faced a scandal when it was revealed that she had posed for nude photos before she became a star. But the story did not tarnish her career. Instead, it resulted in increased interest in her films. So she, I think she was like kind of one of the first women that really, I mean, not the first, but I think like being a popular Hollywood actor, because like back then they weren't doing like full nude scenes or anything like that really um, in, in, you know, the cinema at that time. No. It was kind of risque, you know? Very, actually. In that same year, actually, her images were used as a centerfold and in the cover of the first issue of Playboy, the men's magazine. That's really interesting. I did, I never knew she was in the very first issue of Playboy. Yeah. So so in a way, she kind of was this um, sta- you know, statue or... Sex symbol. Sex symbol, yeah. I yeah. mean, that's the best she way to put it. Was. Of beauty and like this is, you know, kind of... I guess what beauty, you know, beauty is at that time. Yeah. But she always from day one, as she started getting famous, she always struggled with being famous. It was very hard on her. And, you know, you can only imagine. I mean, I think the main thing is I don't think she ever had the support that you need when you're famous. Like, right. I, I think if you're most famous, people do better when they have a good support system behind them, because doing that shit on your own, mm-hmm. especially in her situation, would have yeah. been very tough. Very. You know? So someone that she had been friends with for um, a while is Joe DiMaggio. They were actually friends for over two years um, in 1954. And he was a baseball player. Yeah, he's a very, very famous uh, New York Yankees baseball player, uh, Joe DiMaggio. But he, it's weird, though. He's, he seems like an interesting guy, but he doesn't really seem like her type to me. He seems kind of – he was very, like, kind of reserved and didn't like the, you know, the limelight, didn't want to be, you know, sort of – out in the spotlight and I think all the though, fame like, and stuff. Deep down, though, she like was more calm and reserved than you would think. Like, yeah, he was he was very like conservative and yeah. mellow and quiet. But like, I think that was kind of appealing to her because I don't know. I think it was kind of a way to like make sure she was successful and like taken care of in the world, fame and everything. But how much did she actually want to be in the spotlight? It's not like she grew up wanting that. She was discovered on her own like yeah she wasn't it wasn't like she was planning to, to be a 
a model and yeah. a Hollywood actress. I think she right? was playing a part. Like being Marilyn Monroe was different than being Norma Jane, you know? Different. She was like two different people. I don't it was like know, a though. Hannah Montana situation. See, that's the thing is I think so But then she blurred came became more more, yeah, and more yeah, like yeah. Marilyn over the years. But at first Original Marilyn yeah. Original OG Marilyn was yeah. more I'm saying chill. Norma Jane before yeah. she changed. Norma Jane? <laughs> no. Her name oh, is Norma sorry. Jane. I'm thinking yeah, Norma, Norma Jane. Jane. <laughs> <laughs> before she changed into and became Marilyn Monroe as we know her today. Like it took time for her right. to embrace the glamorous lifestyle more. And it kind of made yeah. Took hold on her eventually. Yeah, I think it did. And kind of went to the and head. And that's why a they had bit. so many issues. But I think deep down they had that like that similarity on a core level. I don't know how to explain it. You know? No, I know exactly what you mean. Because um, they they had a lot of issues throughout their entire relationship. Yeah, it, it and, seems like yeah, it seems like kind of a roller coaster. I think um, she was caught in between two worlds. Like I said, she's Hannah Montana. She was like, you know. Who she really, yeah. really deep down wants to be, and like who she thought she needed to become. Yeah. No, I I totally That's just agree. How I saw her. Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right. Um. But yeah, she was like one of the biggest, like the biggest stars at the time. Um. And at that period of time in 1950, she was actually getting paid way less than most of the other stars. Shocking. At the time. Yeah. Shocking for women not to be paid equally. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> But and she, what was interesting too is that she didn't want to be typecast no. as the blonde bombshell. She'd rather play a more simple role in comedies and and musicals and things like that. Even drama, she wanted like serious roles. Yeah, she like, wanted to be, she taken, wanted to be taken seriously, seriously as yeah. an actress, not just like, oh, we only hired you because you're you know you're hot, you're you know you'll get the men to to watch it. Yeah, so she she didn't like being that. She even expressed that to them, and they like basically told her to shut up. Yeah, well, like, she she. <laughs> kept trying That's to get equal for. pay from 20th century fox and they eventually oh, yeah. suspended um <laughs> her contract yeah and but, well and she was starting to pressure them about the roles like she was like right. why am i not getting anything but blonde bombshell dumb, pretty much dumb blonde roles like <laughs> oh <laughs> that's literally and how she, she smart. acts if you've never seen her act just youtube yeah. a, a video of her and she she does play that kind of yeah. like dumb like yeah but people yeah. around her, like people she worked with, I cannot believe I'm wearing sunglasses. I just looked at how <laughs> stupid I look. <laughs> um, but people around her said that she was actually very smart. She just didn't have always. She didn't have the opportunity to have an education that she should have had right. growing up. And she, but as she got older, she actually was very smart. Was really into learning and reading. And I don't. I think she was really playing a role. Like she was stuck. Like I she said, knew she, what, was she stuck. figured out. Like this is yeah. how I make money. This is so how I keep my, myself this. secure. Play, I'll play the game. Yeah, exactly. And then, and once you go through life being bounced around in foster homes and working in factories, like you're gonna take an opportunity to be Marilyn Monroe. If some someone comes up to you and says, "Dude, like you want to make a bunch of money and be this," like of course she's gonna do it. But I think at some point, you know, it wasn't always like who she really was at a core level. Yeah. No. It it really wasn't. I think. I and think it was, it was hard for her. I think it was very hard for her and. To feel Probably like more she's so than we even understand. I'm sure. Yeah. Like the like mentally playing that in your head and like wrestling with yourself about that. Yeah. All the time would be very stressful. Mm -hmm. So and and she did exactly that, and she kind of battled with the 20th Century Fox uh, to the point where, um, in 1955 uh, or in late 1954, she created Marilyn Monroe Productions. Um, she dedicated 1955 to building her company and began studying method acting at the Actors Studio. 
See, but she's then, a smart woman. And as soon, yeah, and as soon as she did that, though, of course, Fox comes yeah. back and like, okay, all right, all right, you're going to go do it on your own and we'll yeah. miss out on that money because she was that hot. Like, she was like, yeah. and I mean that in the sense, like, she was successful and yeah, she was a hot commodity. highly sought after, you know, yeah. like, people wanted her in their films. So, yeah, you put she her got name what on she it, wanted at the end of the day. She there took charge. There was not, like, celebrities at the time like there are now. Like, it, it was like, she was, like, one of the first really big celebrities where she would go around the world and people would, like, scream and freak out and take pictures of her. Like, I she mean, was what would you equate her to today? Like, kind of like, I hate saying this, but like well, Kim K. Like, I guess, but like it's so different because yeah. back then there just wasn't nearly as many. It was just she was so like there wasn't that many other people even around at the time. You know, there were, but like no one like sh- it was way smaller. Like her. The pool of she was like the one. She was, was the way only smaller one. Too. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, exactly. It was way way different back then. But despite the media often being dismissive of Monroe's potential, her efforts to improve acting paid off. And later films that she um, starred in received critical acclaim um, for her wider scope of acting, which she was nominated for the Golden Globe Best Actress Award for Bus Stop in 1956. And in the 1959, she was won a she won a Golden Globe for her she role. Won? In, she won. Man. Won <laughs> she a gold, won a Golden Globe for her role in Some Like It Hot. But obviously, as she's becoming more successful, you know, she's starting to win some Golden Globes. Her relationship with Joe DiMaggio uh, became strained mm-hmm. and he became very controlling and very jealous too. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're a jealous guy, you probably shouldn't be with like, you know, the hottest actress on the scene, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's not, you know, a recipe for a, a good relationship. Mm-mm. It was so bad to the point, like for the Golden Globes and, and award ceremonies, he wouldn't even go in with her. Like he would wait in the yeah. lobby and shit. Yeah, he started to like really resent the whole fame life. And I think there's obviously more to the story. We don't know yeah. like what was involved in their relationship and stuff. And I'm sure it was just like, you know, feeling like he wasn't a priority in her life and she was being tugged in so many different directions and so busy and like just the stress of it all. Yeah. I mean, it, it I mean, I think it just gets I think this happens to a lot of, of Hollywood, Hollywood relationships and couples is that it, it's a lot to balance. I mean, it's a lot to balance the you know, the, the fame life and all of the different things that go along with being a movie star to then, you know, having a norm, trying to have a normal relationship, especially if you have somebody else that's famous on the other side, you know, cause yeah. like Joe DiMaggio was still like famous. Yeah. Like, don't get, don't get us wrong. Like he was definitely yeah. famous. I mean, it's just different though. It was a sports star, you know, and a Hollywood star. So it's going to be a little bit different, but, um, later on more, uh, Marilyn filed for divorce even though the two remained good friends after the divorce, at which point Marilyn began dating playwright Arthur Miller and got married for a third time in 1956, which I don't know. I don't know why she married this guy. I really don't. I think maybe she married it because he was, you know, a playwright and she could get some work because of it. Yeah. But this was uh, not very good for her. In fact, in order to get married, she converted to Judaism and the marriage received significant media interest for the combination of Miller, who was a left-wing intellectual in Monroe, the perceived dumb blonde. Yeah. The marriage was sometimes referred to rather unkindly as Egghead Wed's Hourglass. Wow. Egghead wears <laughs> Wed's Hourglass. So Savage. clearly people thought it was odd that the two were together. And to complicate <laughs> matters, Miller was under investigation for his alleged communist sympathies. And media bosses encouraged Monroe to end the relationship, but Monroe was unmoved. The FBI opened a file on her, worried about the political views of her husband. So they they apparently opened a file because 
they were seriously worried about communist ties that uh, Mr. Miller might have had. So they actually separated after uh, filming wrapped for uh, the film they were working on, and she was granted a quick divorce in Mexico in January 1961. Uh, the movie The Misfits was released the following month, which was uh, Monroe's last completed film, but it completely flopped at the box office. So now we're getting into the final years of, uh, sadly, of Marilyn Monroe's existence, 1961 to 1962. And at this period of time, instead of working, Marilyn spent the first six months of 1961 preoccupied by health problems. Yeah. She underwent surgery for her endometriosis, a uh, cholecystectomy. Yeah, cholecystectomy. Yeah. And spent four weeks in hospital care, including a brief stint in a mental ward for a depression, which they used to put oh people in God, mental wards for depression. I can't even depression. imagine how shitty that was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're depressed? All right, we'll put you in the, Ugh, in the, 60s. the asylum. Ugh. Probably wasn't that bad, but... Eh, probably was pretty bad. They didn't really have a good understanding of depression and mental illness back then. But they throughout all these years, practices. her ex-husband, Joe DiMaggio, was kind of there for her and, and a friend. Like, he was definitely like her backbone like yeah. as far as like a friend goes and yeah he was that one person in her life that was really always there for her and always yeah and had her back, truly cared, truly cared her. about her yeah exactly in a family sense so after dealing with some of those health issues in the spring of 1961 Marilyn also are moved back to California after six years on the east coast she dated Frank Sinatra for several months hmm and in early 1962, she purchased a house in Brentwood, Los Angeles. Monroe returned to the public eye in the spring of 1962, and she received a World Film Favorite Golden Globe Award and began to shoot a new film for 20th Century Fox, Something's Got to Give, a remake of My Favorite Wife. Days before the filming began, Monroe caught sinusitis. Despite medical advice to po postpone the production, Fox began it as planned in late April. Monroe was too ill to work for the majority of the next six weeks, but despite confirmations by multiple doctors, the studio tried to put pressure on her by alleging publicly that she was faking it. That's fucked up. Yeah, that is. That's so stressful. So not only that, but she's got 20th Century Fox like on her ass. Yeah. You know, telling like putting all this unneeded pressure on her, telling her she's faking an illness, which is absolutely insane. But it was in uh, on May 19th when this famous... Uh, sort of a, a or a yeah. memory of her that moment. we have at this moment in history where she actually sang happy birthday on stage at President John F. Kennedy's birthday celebration at Madison Square Garden in New York, which the clip's out there actually. Yeah, can I look it up? I don't think it's copyrighted. I don't know. I don't know. Just we'll have them YouTube it or not. <laughs> Or not. <laughs> but it's an iconic little clip of her on stage and I don't know, it's it's kinda interesting. sexual so of course there's been like so many parodies and stuff since that time 
And she was wearing a, a beige skin tight dress that yeah. night, covered in rhinestones, which actually yeah. made her look nude. And a lot of people yeah. like, hmm, interesting that she did that. Who'd she do that for? I would love to. I wish we could see a color picture of that, what she looked like. Yeah. I wonder if there is one. There's a picture of her actually with John F. Kennedy and oh, Bobby like Kennedy. Sepia. This is like one of the one of the most famous pictures of them together. And it shows Marilyn Monroe standing between President John F. Kennedy and Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy on May 19, 1962 at a Hollywood executive um, townhouse following the rally for the president's 45th birthday. So she's wearing that same dress and it's this iconic photo of her standing between them. And obviously the reason why we're saying that is because the Kennedys are like literally the centerpiece of, of mm -hmm. the conspiracy here, yeah. which there's a ton of rumors that suggest that she was having an affair with yeah. John or Jack and Robert or Kennedy or both. Yeah, exactly. So the fact that there's this photo and she's, you know, dressed like this, it's, it's very interesting um, to look at. So obviously when she did this, the Fox executives were, were pissed and they actually wanted her to cancel it, but she was like, fuck you, I'm going to do it anyway. But this is where things get a bit, bit sad. All right. This is, we're going to start talking about the end of her life, the final days. So during the final months of her life, Monroe lived at 12 or 12305 Fifth Helena Drive in the Brentwood neighborhood of Los Angeles. Her housekeeper, Eunice Murray, was staying overnight at the home on the evening of August 5th, 1962. Murray awoke at 3 a.m. on August 6th and sensed that something was wrong. And again, just a note, this is the official account. Yeah. Although, official. Official. So, although she saw a light from under Monroe's bedroom door, she was unable to get a response and found that the door was locked. So, Murray thought it was a good idea. Let's call the psychiatrist up at 3 in the morning. Mr. Excellent. Ra or Dr. Ralph Greenson, who arrived at the house shortly after and apparently was the one that broke into the bedroom through a window in which he found Monroe dead in her bed. She was then pronounced dead by her physician, Dr. Hyman Engelberg, who arrived at the house around 3.50 a.m. Yet no one thought, hmm, maybe we should call the police because maybe she didn't die yeah. of an overdose. Yeah. But nah, we'll just call the psychiatrist and the doctor. Yeah. First. No hell? ambulance, no paramedics, no police. Come on. It could be because... They didn't trust but that, but that was the thing is they didn't want this like getting out if it was like yeah. something bad like a suicide or something that yeah, was they their were trying excuse. to protect her or mm -hmm. that's the, the way the story goes is that's why they didn't call the police yeah or there was like, no you know what they said it was they said it was Fox they said it was like her executives I think the executives at Fox that didn't want this out because she was working for them and it would have fucked up their films and stuff yeah so I think that's what happened. But here, here's something interesting. So Sergeant Jack Clemens inquired as to why police hadn't been notified earlier. This was the police officer that was the first on the scene. And he was told by Mr. Greenson that he had to get permission from the publicity department at the studio. And that's, that's why he couldn't notify anyone. At 425 a.m., they finally notified the Los Angeles Police Department. So this is several hours from them finding it. Or an hour and a half or so that they find her. Or hour. <laughs> but this is interesting. So her housekeeper was found washing her bed sheets the night of her death. And this is coming from Sergeant Jack Clemens of the Los Angeles Police Department, 
who again was the first person to arrive on the scene. Later in his own writings of the event, he recalled that Munro's housekeeper, Eunice Murray, was running the washing machine when he arrived. Hmm. He also noted that Murray was acting strangely and was evasive when questioned. Detective, Sar- uh, Detective Sergeant Robert E. Byron, who arrived on the scene a few minutes after Clemens, also noted in his report that Murray was acting like an unreliable witness, he wrote. It is an officer's opinion that Mrs. Murray was vague and possibly evasive in answering questions pertaining to the activities of Miss Monroe during this time. So this is kind of huge if this is in fact true, what these police officers said, right? Because, I mean, you're going to trust police to some extent in this type of situation. And if what they're saying is true, then, you know, police are trained and, and do have this have a way of knowing when people are bullshitting them and they're yeah. very good at detecting liars and detecting, you know, people that are trying to kind of evade their questions and stuff. So that's yeah. very interesting that Weird. the housekeeper was acting strange. Not only that, the housekeeper's timeline changed frequently. Eunice Marie's story changed often the night of Monroe's murder. She originally claimed she awoke around 3 a.m. and saw a light under Monroe's door, which caused her to become yeah. alarmed. Like, but why? What if she was just up having the shits or something? <laughs> no, or, but for or real, just like, like, why would you bathroom. see light and be like, or it's weird. Well, how long were you standing there too to see if the light would go off? I can't remember if she like said Marilyn, Marilyn, and didn't. I don't think she. I think if I remember right, she did. Like she tried to like get her attention and didn't hear anything, and then she got worried. I don't know. It's so weird. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know so if I even weird. ever saw that or not, but yeah. It's weird that she thought to call the psychiatrist, though. Yeah, that is just so odd. Like, if, if this is just an innocent situation where a housekeeper happens to not be able to, like, get a hold of the resident, like, yeah. what makes them think that they would call yeah, that's the really psychiatrist? Unless maybe there is some, like, already laid out instructions by Marilyn or whatever, her team. Well, if I remember right, she had, like, a meeting with the psychologist, like, earlier that day. Yeah, I think that... I think they did something with her meds too, or something. Wasn't it something like that? And like they were supposed to call. Or she had like a she... really rough therapy session. Like she was having a really, really hard time. So I think but she was why worried. Why would the that... housekeeper know this? Well, I think she just like knew Probably her told pretty it or, well. Yeah, just kind of was like, yeah, she was at therapy and they like, came home really upset. Hmm. Well, that's how the story goes. So I think that's why Isn't she called is because she was worried it was something mental health related. I think that when she like when something was wrong and she sent something, she like meant that she sensed Marilyn had done something to herself. You know, I guess it just it doesn't make it's just it's confusing. I'm though. trying to make sense of what they are saying. Not I mean, what's the, the story true, is you know? very confusing, especially when yeah. you throw in uh, Sergeant uh, Clemens uh, information in here. And yeah. according to Sergeant Clemens, he said Murray told him that she phoned Greenson around midnight. Well, wow. and she later changed the time to 3 a.m. when questioned by a different detective. That's that's, well, that's a, a huge fucking difference. red flag. If she's yeah. lying about what time, then yeah, I, that's really weird. You got to look they, into that yeah, some more. That's odd. Other people who claimed they were told Monroe had died around midnight were Peter Lawford, who persisted in trying to check up on her. After their earlier conversation and Milton Rudin, her attorney, who was given the news by Dr. Greenson himself. These discrepancies in time have been ter- interpreted as proof that Greenson and Murray were staging their own cover up of the actress's death between midnight and when the police was called finally at 425 a.m. Hmm. Which this this is one of the theories that we'll talk about is that this idea that 
they staged this. And we'll talk about more why in a minute. Yeah. But, but according to the medical examiner's report, Monroe had died between 8.30 p.m. and 10.30 p.m. on August 5th. And the toxicology report revealed that the cause of death was acute barbiturate poisoning. Barbiturate poisoning. But Monroe's doctor stated that she had been prone to severe fears and frequent depressions with abrupt and unpredictable mood changes and had overdosed several times in the past, possibly intentionally. And due to these facts and the lack of any indication of foul play, immediately, Deputy Coroner Thomas Noguchi classified her death as a probable suicide. So the official story which hit the front page was that she overdosed on over 40 nembutal pills. However, no pills were found in her stomach. Yeah. 40 of them, not a single one. How is she getting 40 pills in her in her body without... Well, they said that, like, she was used to taking these types of pills because she was, like, an addict. Like, was having was having trouble with... That many? With uh, drugs. Yeah, that's their explanation. That someone who uses a lot of it, that it would be absorbed and digested more quickly than someone... Yeah, right So here, she, who she would need 40... Well, they they were saying it would be like it wouldn't be found in her stomach because it would be absorbed into the body very quick. I don't think so, though. I don't buy that. Them, I don't buy. It's you wouldn't find any not, remnants of anything. It's not like your body just becomes like, just like absorbs it immediately. Yeah. yeah. I mean, unless they literally timed it out perfectly and were like, "All right, she'll, you know, she'll overdose at this time, and by this time, when that coroner gets a hold of him, it'll be out of this." Why would they not want her to? Well, yeah, that doesn't make sense. They would want it to be in there for their proof that that's what happened to her. That is true. Yeah. So then that makes you think maybe they weren't involved. Yeah, I don't know. But Doctor Naguchi, I'm probably saying that wrong, but was tasked with the autopsy. I think it's right. Naguchi looks right to me. Looks no Gucci. (laughs) Doctor No Gucci. He's got no Gucci. Yeah. (laughs) This doctor ain't got no Gucci. So fucked up. We're saying that, but. Anyway, she was. <laughs> it's not. It's not. But Dr. Noguchi was tasked with the autopsy, but he wasn't exactly given a complete picture. According to him, when he received Monroe's body in the morgue, the samples from her stomach and intestines were destroyed. Oh my God, that's disgusting which and sad. Clearly affected toxicology reports, which <sighs> made Noguchi believe people would think she was murdered. He also discovered other organs were sent to the toxicology labs, but tests were never done. Wow. Surprise, surprise. How does this kind of shit get? Like, it's just unbelievable. There needs to be some more oversight with the damn corners. I'm yeah. telling you, man. And people need to pay and attention more and demand more answers. Like, you know? not be satisfied with yeah. whatever they just put out. Like, yeah. question it a little bit. Or a Especially deeper. if it doesn't make sense. Yeah. But they probably didn't tell them at the time that all this was wrong, that the stomach and intestines were destroyed. But the only parts of Monroe's body that were put to complete toxicology tests were samples of her blood and her liver. That's disgusting. What the hell? Yeah. How does this stuff slide? It's so unbelievable. So that all that right there and, and because of those circumstances, I don't think you can just take the medical examiner or coroner's report at face value and be like, oh, yeah, she died of an overdose of 40 no. nembutal pills. Especially when you know all the stuff we know about all the different cases that are inc- that include corrupt coroners. That's weird. There actually are quite a bit of just bizarre, you know, things that happen to bodies or just miss. Sometimes they yeah. just literally make shit up. Sometimes they literally yeah. just take what they got and they're just you like, all right, be well, more regulated, especially for some like Marilyn Monroe. Like you do it fucking right. But apparently 
some Joe Schmo did it. They didn't Seriously. look at his Yelp reviews clearly because he did a shit <sighs> job. Seriously though. But I mean, which have a you ever been in happens. a? Have you ever been to like a coroner's office or into like the Wouldn't, room where they do autopsies? We've been married for six years. You think I would have told you that? No, I thought you have. N- no, I have not. When would I have ever been in a coroner room? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I thought have you. you? I thought, yeah, I have actually. What? Yeah, I've been to uh, uh, into the room where they do autopsies and seen all the tools and everything and how they do it. When did you do that? Uh, it was probably like when I was like thirteen. From, 14. Like through what? My dad took me to oh, wow. like when I was starting to get interested in law enforcement and I learned something all new that, about you all the time. My dad took me to the county like county offices and and we got a tour of of the morgue and the, all of that stuff and the autopsies. Wow. And uh yeah, it blew my mind. Yeah. And then I went to the library How and checked out a book. You never told me that. There's, I, I feel like there's so many things that you just don't tell me. That's because you got to decode the key like, to get to the... Uh, Josh knows all my shit. He knows all my good stories. He knows everything that's ever happened to me. And I like to I keep always it excited keep you on your toes. Like, you like, never know what, what? you're going to get from me. You know, I have no secrets. Not secrets, but like, I have no interesting things you don't know about me. Oh, I got some more stuff. But <laughs> won't be available for 10 more years. But obviously, Marilyn Monroe passing was a huge deal. I mean, it oh, yeah. hit everybody extremely hard. She was an international star at this point. So it was like front page news in the United States, Europe, pretty much everywhere. People knew about her death. Her funeral was held at the Westwood Village Memorial Park Cemetery on August 8th and was private and attended by her only or by only her closest associates. Hundreds of spectators crowd the streets around the cemetery, and Monroe is later entombed at Crypt Number Twenty Four at the Corridor of Memories. So, after that, you know, for a decent amount of time, I guess well, it's nineteen sixty-two, so almost ten years or so, um, you know, people kind of were rolling with the official story, I think, and yeah. kind of like just kind of accepted it, and we're like, okay, well, that was how it was back then. Like, no one was questioning shit back then. Yeah, exactly. So, well, that was the thing, is like, your access to information is yeah, is limited. Was, people wouldn't even know what a conspiracy theorist even was back then. No. Like a conspiracy. And JFK then, hadn't even no, died yet. No, so. no, no. And, and conspiracy theorists are, you know, back then were like actual people that looked at things like this and created theories. Their own theories, and, yeah. And right. that's how it really got started, so... We will get into the numerous conspiracy theories in it. All right, this this is where things just get really, really interesting about Marilyn Monroe's death. And when we start talking about the conspiracy. So as we noted, the idea that Marilyn Monroe had a relationship with the Kennedy family factors into basically every conspiracy about her death for the most part. Yes. Because she was famously rumored to have slept with President John F. Kennedy while he was alive. But later on, rumors also claim that she was having an affair with JFK's younger brother, Attorney General Robert Kennedy, or Bobby. Now, a man by the name Norman Mailers uh, released a biography of Marilyn Monroe and was one of the first to suggest that foul play was a factor in Monroe's death. In the, in the 1960s, a self-published biography by Frank A. Capel made claims that Monroe was murdered as part of a communist conspiracy. The allegations of murder first became part of mainstream discussion with the publication of Norman Mailer's Marilyn, a biography in 1973. So this was kind of like, it wasn't until the 70s that the conspiracy theories started popping up. And it was uh, really got started with 
Norman Mailer's biography. And despite not having any evidence to prove it, Mailer basically claimed that Monroe and Robert F. Kennedy had an affair and speculated that she was killed by either the FBI or CIA who wished to use the murder as a point of pressure against the Kennedys. And from that theory, it just kind of took off from there. Yeah. But yeah, basically, yeah, but that's why the Kennedys, it basically became the Kennedys are trying to cover up this affair that they had and they started getting pressure. So they had to be, they had to get rid of her essentially. And in this particular case, you know, I, I think they're insinuating that Robert may have had a hand in it possibly. Um, but ultimately she was killed by the FBI or CIA. Now let's talk a little bit more about some of the other theories that involve the Kennedys. So in 2007, an Australian filmmaker named Felipe Mora discovered a partially redacted FBI document that suggests Robert Kennedy also said, or Robert Kennedy may have been complicit in a plot to induce her suicide. Also implicated in this theory is Kennedy's uh, brother-in-law, actor Peter Lawford, as a conspiracy's lead. Monroe psychiatrist Dr. Ralph Greenson, housekeeper Eunice Murray, and agent Pat Newcomb. So all of these people essentially conspired to induce Marilyn Monroe's suicide um, by this particular uh, conspiracy theories. Basically saying that the depressive Monroe who had struggled with drug and alcohol abuse had been known to seek attention by staging suicide attempts and the document suggests she was given the means to do so. The barbiturate seconal by the alleged conspirators, but was then left to die. That's interesting. So basically they all working to conspiring together gave her the barbiturate concoction or whatever in order for her to commit suicide essentially. And apparently there's an FBI file that sort of suggests this plot. So the sort of the reason behind this theory is that they wanted to silence Monroe because she had threatened to reveal her affairs with the Kennedy brothers. And Monroe was also thought to be a liability, allegedly keeping records of conversations detailing highly confidential government information in a little red diary. So when you look into this more, it does, it seems like this may, there might be some truth to this. And obviously I couldn't find like the FBI document they're referring to here. And apparently there's, there is this journal really does exist. She really did write down things like this. Like this could absolutely be real, but then again, we don't know for sure. Yeah. There's so much confusion with this one. So another theory is that um, Bobby Kennedy didn't kill Marilyn Monroe, but uh, he staged her death as a suicide. Hmm. So Basically, they claim this particular individual claims that Monroe accidentally OD'd but died on the way to the hospital. So Lawford, Kennedy, and FBI director J. Edgar Hoover staged her death as a suicide. Which I don't know. I don't know if the FBI director would get involved with with that. Probably not. J. Edgar Hoover. Yeah. Oh yeah, he would. He, I mean, I know. I actually, I think he probably would because he was yeah. involved with stuff like that. So. Oh yeah, he's the one who took out Martin Luther King heavily involved in the Kennedys. Right, you're right. So, yeah, he was not a bad... I mean, he was a bad guy. And I definitely think he would get involved because she was. She had enough influence, dude. She had so much influence. And she was a woman, which threatens people even more for some fucking reason. So, I don't know. Well, the root of... I mean, the, the root is that she had... You know, she was going to expose 
she had an affair with both of them. I mean, imagine yeah. if that had come out like at that yeah. time, like how big it would ruin if that had the been Kennedys. if that was indeed true, which I think it was, and that did come yeah. out at that time, that would have blown up the Kennedys big time. Oh yeah. And obviously they didn't want that to happen, so maybe they were you know, they had to suppress her in some way and they figured, you know, we could set it up and stage it like a suicide because of her history and because of what we know about her and nobody would blink an eye. Yeah. Um, another uh, theory that involves Kennedy's was that she was killed by the CIA to hurt the Kennedy's and this uh, Matthew Smith in the book victim the secret tapes of Mon Marilyn Monroe claims that the CIA knew Monroe and Robert Kennedy were having an affair and killed her to get back at the Kennedy family for the Bay of Pigs invasion disaster. Yeah. See, personally, I don't think the Kennedy's actually had any involvement in it with it themselves. I think it would be more likely that someone did it to hurt them. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, don't think I, I, I don't, don't think that either the Kennedys would do that. Yeah, I don't think that they would have. I do. I think they could have had an affair with her. Absolutely, yes, but they do. Did. I think that I think they, they would. Did. They obviously liked her. Yeah. Why would they want to kill her? You know, even to suppress no. her. You know, maybe they they hinted that they wanted her to be suppressed or stop talking, or maybe they knew that. Oh shit, we probably said too much when we were, you know, hanging yeah. out last night. But yeah, I don't know if they necessarily did it. But another big uh, theory that's out there is that the mafia did it. Now, I, I personally, I'll just say I don't know a ton about the mafia because it is it's organized crime. It's pretty complex and yeah, it is. there's a lot of layers to it. Um, so I'm going to do my best to try to uh, explain this theory. But basically, the theory is that uh, Bobby Kennedy um, materialized the theory with the allegation of renowned wiretapper Bernard Spindle, who had bugged. Monroe's house possibly on the orders of a crooked union leader Jimmy Hoffa or Chicago mafia boss Sam Giancana Despite reported sightings of him in LA and entering her house Kennedy stated that he was in San Francisco on the night of Monroe's death But spindle claims to have heard Kennedy and Monroe fighting that night with Lawford present followed by a loud bang Thought to be the moment of her death the recordings were reportedly seized and destroyed in 1966 Giancana wanted Monroe, who was thought to have had a relationship with his henchman, Johnny Roselli, dead, according to biographer Darwin Porter, author of Marilyn at Rainbow's End, Sex, Lies, Murder, and the Great Cover-Up, as she was threatening to blow the lid off his operations. The Don is said to have had Monroe over a barrel after coercing the screen siren's first Hollywood contract in return for her seduction of powerful men that the mobster wanted to blackmail. Interesting. That would be pretty crazy if she got herself intertwined with the Something mob like, that, like yeah. this. Yeah. Because, I mean, it could absolutely be. And a lot of people actually think that the yeah. mob out of everybody, not CIA, not FBI, nothing like that, that it was the mob that, that came after her. The thing is, though, is that, like, there's a lot of proof that all these groups work together, that, like, the government works with organized crime groups illegally. Yeah. Or, or that, you know, maybe the people government. People have interest in it. They'll was protect them. dirty and working with the mob and had the mob. Well, I mean, but the way that she died though doesn't scream mob to me. No, no, no. It's not like she got shot. It'd be if she got shot or like taken or something. Like, but in, they also are like pros at making it look like an accident. So yeah, it actually does look like a mob death. Honestly, it's very organized, very clean, very yeah, very staged. It seems. And think about the fact that like. 
the coroner was being sketchy. There was like police being like, we're not getting the full story from government sources. So that makes me think government's involved. Now, whether or not the mafia is involved as well is like a debate. It's the same with the uh, JFK assassination. A lot of people think the mob worked with the CIA. Well, yeah, that. and that, and that's exactly like the person that created this theory is that he believes that five mafia hitmen were responsible for her murder on the order of this mob boss using a washcloth drenched in chloroform, then stripping Monroe and giving her a barbiturate enema. Yeah. So that's, God, so let's that's talk crazy. about the enema thing. That's really weird. Yeah. So there's proof of the enema, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I, I oh, honestly I'm all cloudy on this right yeah. now. I'm going to look this up for a second. Give me a second. You go. Talk when I, when I was reading of various different things, I never saw anything that said for sure she had an enema or that the uh, medical examiner said she had an enema. I mean, how would you if know? I remember she Could did. you tell if she did or not? I don't think she. I don't. She well, she also had. She was known for using enemas. A lot of people use them at home. What? <laughs> yeah. John. Are you serious? Uh, yeah. So yeah. Okay. How do you do that? I don't even understand how an enema. Her stomach works. was was empty. The capsule should have been left a re- should have left a yellow residue. So that's when they think that she should may have been given a enema. May have been though. Yeah. Because, yeah, let's see. She was prescribed a chloral hydrate enema oh, from Doctor Greason. Gotcha. Greenson. So she, as a part of her, as a part of her, you know, like nightly routine to administer her meds, she had to take this Maybe. prescription up the butt. Yeah. Well, it's that's the thing is what? this Why? is so confusing. Why? But um, yeah, her autopsy reveals signs more consistent with an enema than oral ingestion. So I don't know, man. That seems like they just were like, eh. But she did talk about like her sex life and her use of enemas like publicly one time. (laughs) So I don't know. That's kind of how the like whole theory got started. But like, there's that's like a big part of the theory is the whole enema thing. That's so bizarre. Because it's the only way that it would make sense, unless the coroner's just lying, which is another possibility. That's why this this whole conspiracy is so confusing. There's so many different moving parts. And, yeah. Yeah. And just people that could be elements. conspiring in it. Yeah. Yeah. And like we don't know who's telling the truth and who's lying and which information's true. So it's yeah. hard to put together. We don't know whose story's true. The police, the the doctors, yeah. the housekeeper. And that's how they want it. They it's want this so all confusing. confusing to the point yeah. they just look crazy trying to figure well, it out. Well, it's exactly like JFK's assassination. You know, there's so many different, you know, perspectives of what happened. There's so many different you know, stories and so many different testimonies about what people saw that it just becomes this confusing pile of of shit, frankly, and you don't know how to to decipher through it to get the truth. And, you know, yeah, you can just take whatever the official report is and just say, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Must have been just, you know, just been some dude that wanted to kill. No, it's like, you know, especially when you start getting and, you know, looking at all the different moving pieces that are a part of this murder and you start realizing like, holy shit, this guy's acting sketchy. This guy's acting sketchy. Yeah. This story doesn't add up. Why the fuck would they be doing this or that? So it's, it's very, very bizarre. So mafia, maybe definitely could be uh, involved. And I mean, the mafia has been involved in, you know, taking out people before. So why wouldn't they do this? So it's very, very possible. Or it was just a cover up by her doctors. Maybe, um, Someone claimed that her death was an accidental overdose, which happened because because Monroe lied to her two doctors about the amount of medication she had. Yeah, she did. 
She had a problem with drugs. I mean, it's pretty clear. She was struggling. She was having health problems. And, you know, people didn't really understand drugs as much back then either. And, like, the power and what they were getting into. Yeah. And, I mean, they didn't understand addiction the same way that they do now. They don't understand the long-term effects of these, you know, different uh, substances. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it's possible. I, I think that the doctors are definitely sketchy. I think the psychiatrist and the yeah we're not getting the full story. The doctor are definitely a bit sketchy, but this is perhaps one of my favorite theories and one that honestly makes a lot of sense. And a lot of people will just scoff at this. I've read so many articles that are like, "Oh, this nutty theory about how she knew too much about aliens and UFOs." And just listen to this for a sec. Yeah. So this the reason that this is one of the most interesting theories is actually because of our main man and homie, Doctor Stephen Greer. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Who. We do, guys told you about a couple episodes back and in his documentary on Netflix called Unacknowledged, which you should go watch it if you haven't, he claims that Monroe was murdered by the CIA because she knew the truth about Roswell and planned to reveal all. And in the film, Dr. Greer produces what he says is a classified CIA memo written just two days before Monroe's death. Yeah. And he calls it a death warrant. He literally holds the shit up, too. And, you know, listening, you know, I've listened to a bit more of him talking about this thing. And I don't know, man, like he does get a lot of top secret. He said the document's not even declassified. It's still a classified document. And he, he the original is in a safe of his somewhere. Yeah. And so he's holding up a copy of it. And this thing has been reviewed by people that look at these types of documents all the time. And it seems pretty legit. Um, That's it's definitely seems authentic and this we don't know for sure who gave him this document but some type of government insider or leaker gave him came to him with this document because he was like you know he knows all the work that it, dr Greer does and you know getting the truth out things like that and so he thought what a good way to kind of hand it off and have him present it to everybody but anyway so this document reveals a lot here and it's actually a wiretap a wiretap document revealed that Monroe was planning to give a press conference about what President Kennedy had told her of a visit to an undisclosed Air Force facility where he saw the debris of a crashed UFO. Oh, my God. Don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. And this document apparently has been out there for a while, since the the early 90s he's had, had this document. And obviously the CIA has said it's not genuine, but of course yeah. what are they gonna say oh you caught us oh shit you got a leaked document but this is all right so let me actually read um what the document says and this document's dated august 3rd 1962 wiretap of telephone conversations between reporter dorothy kilgallen kilgallen who was looking into roswell and other ufo issues and this is a real reporter at the time who was like kind of groundbreaking and covering all these like interesting issues like you know roswell which was a huge thing in the 1940s but from a wiretap um, of telephone conversation of Marilyn Monroe and Attorney General Bobby Kennedy Rothberg discussed the apparent comeback of subject with Kilgallen and the breakup with the Kennedys basically referring to the affair that Marilyn had with both Kennedy brothers so clearly the Kennedy brothers started getting worried that she might talk you know she might talk about their affair but might even go farther than that but Rothberg indicated in so many words that she, Monroe, had secrets to tell. 
no doubt arising from her trysts with the president and the attorney general. This is all directly verbatim off this document. One such secret mentions the visit by the president at a secret air base for the purpose of inspecting things from outer space. Involved with this, guys, is clearly they're talking about like S-4, Area 51, which just so you guys know, we're covering Bob Lazar, Area 51 again, or not again, next week. So we'll get into this a little bit more and talk a little bit more about Roswell and stuff. But um, apparently... According to this document, according to what we know, it sounds like President Kennedy went to Area 51 and was presented with what they found at Roswell, essentially, which was crashed UFO spacecraft, possibly from another world. And not only that, but unidentified or bodies, alien bodies, essentially. So could President Kennedy have seen these things and, you know, in a late night with Monroe discuss these th- with her yeah i i mean god i would have loved to hear that conversation my god so this document goes on and says kilgallen said that if the story is true it'd be a terrible embarrassment for jack and his plans to put men on the moon which that was a huge deal with yeah. his administration was getting the men on the moon so they didn't want you know all this spacecraft because it yeah it would have yeah. looked really weird that they're covering it up and all this Sketchy, and everything yeah and, you know, they were trying to be like, oh, this is a huge thing. we got to get to the moon. Yet we got, you know, aliens yeah. crash landing in our, yeah. in our country. Yeah. So well, and we're not like controlling the space conversation. Exactly. The the exactly. Subject repeat. And, and then the document goes on to say subject repeatedly called the attorney general and complained about the way she was being ignored by the president and his brother. So talking about Marilyn was calling Robert Kennedy complaining oh. about the way that, that they were ignoring her because I'm sure they got to a point where they're like, we got to stop talking to this girl. Like, holy shit. And yeah. she kept, you know, trying to make contact with them and they started freaking out. Oh my gosh. Subject threatened to hold a press conference and would tell all. Wow. Can you imagine if she did? So she was like literally threatening, like, if if you guys don't talk to me and stuff, I'm going to, I'm going to just go on the news and say everything you guys told me. Yeah. Which this sounds like so wild and crazy because it's like oh wow she they really trusted trusted her with these secrets and you yeah. know these deep secrets and stuff but it's like i don't know man sometimes guys will do crazy when things for uh, for beauty man for some <laughs> yeah don't say it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i know what you're gonna say but yeah you know what pretty i mean much, pretty much so the implications of the monroe wiretap document or death warrant being genuine is astounding it reveals that only one day before her death Monroe was planning a press conference that would reveal what President Kennedy had confidentially told her about UFOs and aliens. The fact that the CIA was monitoring her and wiretapping her phone calls directly implicates the CIA in her suspicious death and the cover-up concerning UFOs. I agree. That's like the proof that we need. The fact that they were wiretapping her. I mean, that is like, why why else would they? Like. Yeah, they clearly Unless they were worried about her talk. I mean, it could just be they were wiretapping because of the affair, but would they Doubt do that? I mean, maybe. I mean, I don't know. It's just so weird to me. I don't, th- I think they were definitely involved and that's like enough to show that they, whoa, what's happening to the, whoa, sorry. The camera did this crazy thing just now. Just freaked me out. I just kind of had a mini heart attack. I know, inside. but it started going like black and like showing these Dude, like messages. We're being watched. 
No, I'm not I'm even kidding. Right it started saying like system something and it was showing something and it was blinking. What? I know. So I got scared it was going to stop recording. Oh, no. But it still is. Yeah, we're good. Okay, maybe it's Sorry, just my guys. sunglasses yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the tint on those glasses is a little yeah. too dark for you. <laughs> maybe I literally imagined that. It looked like something weird was happening. But but this was something else interesting that uh, Dr. Greer was talking about was that he actually uh, had a conversation with Burl Ives, which... <laughs> The only only way I can remember who Burl Ives is is because he's the guy who sings the Frosty the Snowman song. Yes, and I so, was just going to say. The jolly, the jolly guy. That Frosty was, yeah. the Snowman. But believe it or not, according to Dr. Greer, Burl Ives was a 33-degree de- uh, Mason, Freemason. Wow, interesting. And he had always uh, stood firmly that he knew Marilyn Monroe had been killed but didn't know why. Wow. And then Dr. Greer goes on to explain from the document that he has basically who issued her assassination essentially he's he claims that james jesus angleton who was chief of the cia and counterintelligence from 1954 to 1975 issued the death warrant for marilyn monroe he actually signed this document that we just read from that basically states the cia is implicated in her assassination for these reasons and dr rear believes that jack Kennedy was very upset about what happened so he decided he was going to take this info public so which is interesting so this kind of plays into why maybe you know if you believe the conspiracy that you know jack kennedy was going to disclose extraterrestrial life and ufos and all this other things uh you know dissolving the cia he wanted to dissolve the cia which the cia did not want that to happen clearly because of you know the operations that they're doing in the cia he wanted to get out of vietnam and make peace with the soviet union so the CIA didn't want anything to do with any of those things. So, you know, maybe Marilyn's death plays directly into Jack Kennedy's death. It sure seems like it. And obviously the other theory that people have is that she's still alive and she could have, you know, this could have come been completely faked, which you said, um, or I think maybe the documentary that we had watched said that, um, the coroner or the people that brought her body out claimed that her body looked kind of fake and like bloated. Yes. Yeah, yes, actually that I said that in my video. But but my my uh rebuttal to that is A, she, she was dead for a while. She's yeah, confirmed and dead, dead bodies way later. Weird. And they, they do look do. weird, especially if she was ingested some weird concoction of of some uh substances yeah. or something. Yeah. Cause I mean, come on, like you're a coroner, you can't tell if a body's real or fake. Come on. But especially back <laughs> yeah. then. Yeah, they'd unless it's like some tell. crazy clone or something. But that's the thing is like that's part of the theory though is that they knew that she was fake and they lied. They were all they in just on it. Everyone's part it. of it. Yeah, it's so hard with all these things because you have to like. There's just so many missing elements, missing truths. Yes, tons of missing truths here. So here's a, just a couple other interesting things worth noting. One is that she left a very ominous message before she died. Apparently, Monroe spoke to several people on the phone the night of her death. Among them was Peter Lawford, an old friend of the actress and the brother-in-law of John yeah, F. Kennedy. Yeah, that's interesting. That's very interesting that she was talking to him. Wish we could hear those conversations. According to Lawford, Monroe seemed to be under the influence of drugs, and he also yeah. claimed she told him, say goodbye to Pat, which was her publicist. Say goodbye to the president, and say goodbye to yourself because you're a nice guy. So odd. Why was she on the phone with him of all people? Yeah. Lawford uh, became extremely worried about her state or mental state and phoned several people to check up on her. When he was unable, unable to reach Dr. Greenson, he called Monroe's lawyer, Milton A. Rudin, who in turn reached out to Monroe's housekeeper, who told him that Monroe was fine. 
That's interesting too. The housekeeper, that goddamn housekeeper. Yeah, seriously. Sketchy, man. Not only that, but Monroe went from happy to dying in less than 30 minutes, according to a phone call she had with Joe DiMaggio. Yeah. And he would know if anyone. And he, right. He was like That's her best thing. friend, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. And he notice how he stayed very quiet. Oh, he will yeah. not do any interviews. And a lot of people think it's because he has respect for her and he doesn't want to make money off her death and everything. But a lot of people think it's because he's been told to shut the fuck up and not say anything. Yeah, yeah. And because he he is like, and he loved her, right? He, he brought her roses every day for like years. For 20 years. I think every week he sent new yeah, roses yeah. or flowers to her. Uh, he truly did love her. her crypt. And he like, if anyone's going to believe something like this, probably him. But I'm sure he was threatened if, if that is true, you know? Yeah, because between 7 p.m. and 7.15 p.m., by all accounts, he had a happy conversation with yeah. with her. Yeah. During which and that he would time, have known. if she was about to kill herself, he would know. He would know if she seemed off in some way. Yeah. Well, not only that, this is what's crazy about it is that he was calling to tell her he had just broken up with a young woman. Uh, a woman. <laughs> woman. A young woman. Young woman. Monroe disliked. And housekeeper uh, Murray also later confirmed that Monroe was happy gay alert and anything but depressed during the talk so this is at 7 7 15 she according to the official report she was dead by 9 30 yeah how do you go from like that feeling happy sense. and hopeful she took her last call at 7 40 or 7 45 p.m when she was talking to peter lawford and that's when peter lawford was like oh she sounded slurred and barely audible but Maybe Mr. Lawford was cued into a few things. Yeah. But this is what's this is what is one of the bigger things evidence for, you know, whenever somebody mysteriously dies, you always look at, well, were they planning future things? Was there something yep. they want to look forward to? Especially when you're talking about somebody that's committed suicide, because I mean, if you get to that point, you know, you're not looking to the future anymore. You know, you're looking for things to be over. So Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe, they were married earlier on, like we talked about. And they remained friends mm-hmm. through the years, but they were set to remarry on August 8th, 1962, according to these biographers, which people would just say these are conspiracy theorists. We don't know. It's not like we've heard it from Joe DiMaggio, I think, from his mouth. But the the idea that she may have been planning to get back with him and, you know, after he had broken up with his other girl and they had this happy conversation together and the fact that, you know, he sent roses to her grave actually several times a week, actually, for 20 years. He was clearly, they clearly had like a deep yeah, connection. They did. You know, an unemotional. And I think he knew the real her, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think he knew, exactly. I think he knew exactly who she really was. I don't know, man. He I just knew think her. It's... He loved her for who she was, like not as Marilyn Monroe, you know. Like he loved Norma Jean. Yeah, he loved you know? good old Norma Jean Morrison. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Exactly. So if if not suicide, then could it have just been just an accidental overdose? I don't know. The fact that there is nothing in her stomach, just I can't. No one overdoses with an enema, dude. No. I, 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 I'm sorry. I just don't see that no, happening. It does that's bullshit. Out of all the ways, like bullshit. why would it and she have just ingested it through them orally? Why? 
Why would you? Yeah. Literally, no Marilyn way. Monroe of all people is going to die yeah. with like an yeah, enema? Come on, right. man. She must have known. It must have been going through her head that like people are going to know how I died. So like if, if you were going to kill yourself, you're going to think about that kind of stuff, you know? Like, or she just it's happened gonna to be like in the overtake. News. It's going to be in the press. Yeah, exactly. Why would she want to be known for killing herself with an enema? Like yeah. that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. No. It really doesn't. Why would you want to go out that way? Yeah, and if she accidentally overdosed, you wouldn't be taking forty bit bar blah 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 bar, barbiturates. Barbiturates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't take forty. No, of you those. wouldn't. You absolutely so, wouldn't. It makes no. It sense. just doesn't make sense. Clearly, something's off. Clearly, we're not getting the real story. Whether you know it had to do with something simpler, like in it, just an affair or something like that, or like the mafia. I don't know. Or maybe it really is like she fucking knew some stuff. I wouldn't be surprised. Nope, I wouldn't be like either. you said. Men, men get a little, you know, they do. Dude, some... <laughs> sometimes when you got like these crazy hormones firing in your brain, like you just completely They're break like, down. You know what like... would make you want to like have sex with me right now is if I told you some cool ass shit about. <laughs> Dude, Aries. guess what I saw at Area Fifty One this week, babe. Seriously, <laughs> babe. come come lay down with me. I got a story to tell you. Yeah, like who knows what happens in pillow talk with people, and maybe they really thought they could. Trust I said I her walked or... in and I saw this debris of a flying saucer, guys. And yeah. literally, they showed me these alien bodies that they recovered from the Roswell crash site. I didn't believe it until I saw it with my own and eyes. And maybe she promised to be secret about it, but maybe the relationship wasn't working out. Like, or she was pissed that they were kind of ousting her or like denying the relationship or denying the affair. I don't know. Who knows? And maybe she decided at that point, here's what I have against you. I can blackmail you with this shit that I know. I mean, at the end of the day, there's just so many missing, like I said, so many holes, so many missing parts that you can fill it in with whatever you want. At the end of the day, we're just not getting the full story. And, and the fact that this case is like case closed is like what very bizarre what this was like hurry up close it let's forget about it and yep. the fact that it was never reopened is absolutely mind-boggling actually because well, it was reopened in no because right? of it was almost reopened almost because okay. of the conspiracy theories actually that were published in the 1970s the los angeles attorney general john van camp ordered a review of the actress's death in 1982 which took three and a half months but afterwards they found no foul play but more like they got a they got a little visit from the the men in black from the you know national security <laughs> agency and we're like hey sh no you're not doing this no. we're trying to put this away yeah or or they're like we're gonna take it over and then it just nothing ever happened so i don't know too many questions too many i don't know too many we want to eh. know your guys's thoughts though like do you have one theory that makes more sense to you or do you have your own theory like i'm always curious some people have just like their own straight up theory Wait, just with all everything being said, like, what's your personal opinion of yeah. what happened? Like, yeah. what do you think happened? Yep. What do you think? Oh, what? Do, oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. do I think? Yeah. I don't know. That's the thing is like. If you had to, to me, choose anything, is it the official I, I account? Think you think? So it's definitely something to do with JFK. I know that they had this relationship and I think that was her connection to power and knowledge. And if anything was going to take her out, it would. I mean, it all makes sense. At the end of the day, I think. It, it was the CIA and they probably did work with the mob in some way or the mafia that they could have been involved. It was probably a lot of different people involved. Like it takes a lot to pull these types of things off. Right. But the fact that this was just hushed so much and like everyone just moved on, including the media, barely like fucking blinked. It's just it's odd. It's very odd. So, yeah. yeah I mean, I think that when you look at everything all together, there's just so many so much sketchiness. I think they're like you said. 
there's a lot of different people involved in this and the way that they pull these things off is they compartmentalize everything and you only know what you're supposed to know, you know, and that's it. And that's what they did to all these doctors and everything. And, you know, maybe they didn't even know that she was going to be, you know, dead or assassinated. I mean, clearly they, I think they did, but this was a very elaborate, well executed, I think assassination that happened here. And I'm, and I'm just saying that based upon what I just, you know, what I just learned about it. I mean, I, I can't honestly believe the, official story on this one i just can't no, me either i really can't the same way i can't believe the you know jfk mm-hmm. official story right just a random map you know like i there's just too many there's moving too many parts. missing things too just like too many things that doesn't make sense when there's that many things that don't make sense chances are something weird's going on you know like well, especially if you think about this fucking death warrant and this de- the cia memo like yeah if this is at all crazy. if this is at all authentic which it seems like it is. Obviously, I don't know, but it seems like it is. You can look at it. I'll put a link for those that want to look at it, and it looks pretty damn authentic to me. And there's signatures. I mean, who would fake this? I mean, people, yeah. I guess, go great lengths to fake shit like this, but Yeah, but Dr. Why? Greer, how I don't do you, think, would push why like, would bullshit you, like that. Why would you do that? I mean, no, clearly something weird happened. I def- The last thing I think is that she just took pills and died. That's not what happened. Like via enema. Come on, yeah, not and even via enema. Like that's even. Oh naked my god, that's so like, ridiculous. What? There's no way she would do that. She was like, no, no. She was such nope. a classy, like, no. yeah, like I just can't see that happening. So yes, let us know your guys' thoughts on this one for sure. This was actually one of my favorite conspiracies. I think we've done just because it's. Yeah. I really didn't know that much about it coming into it. Yeah. I didn't know all the conspiracy angles to it much, that yeah. much. I didn't even know her name was Norma Jean. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now looking at this, I'm like, holy shit. Like, this mm-hmm. is, this was right at the same time, you know, around mm-hmm. JFK and stuff when other things were happening. This fucking mm-hmm. Engelberg guy and, you know, the CIA was, I mean, we know the CIA has been doing sketchy shit for yeah. years. I mean, they're, they're in their own fucking world, dude. The, and what they can do and looking at what the CIA did with MK Ultra and mind control and experiment, all that. It's like, Hmm. You know, you definitely can't put, you know, assassination out of their realm of, of things. I mean, that's fucking what they do. Otherwise they, they're spies and fucking counterintelligence people. They can fool you. They can make anything look like what they want it to be. They're very sneaky and mischievous like that. So yeah, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. And I don't know. It's got me a little, little freaked out to be honest. So yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty fucking crazy but well hopefully in our next podcast i won't be wearing sunglasses because i look insane like look at me i'm like holding a bunny wearing sunglasses it's all right but welcome hopefully... to the classiest podcast on the internet yes folks. well we're just conspiracy and chill today so yeah. that's how we do things around here at the mile higher podcast but hopefully we took your guys's minds a mile higher as we always try to do with this conspiracy and like we said next week we're going to dive into bob Lazar. and if you haven't heard his story about his work at s4 and with area 51 and flying saucers and all that good stuff then get then ready, ready because it's it's a very interesting story which we will dive into and you know me i mean i'm always down to talk about you know aliens and ufos and such so i will be especially excited for that one but thank you guys for joining us today yes. if you enjoyed it like subscribe leave us a review we really appreciate it but yeah that's where we'll end it today we hope you guys enjoyed it and yeah stay, stay safe woke. 
And stay woke. (laughs) See you next time, guys.